Let's do this. Let's talk about imposter foods. Javier Leva is one of the best storytellers I know. I've known him for, for a long time now. We go way back and his storytelling, it, it just keeps getting better and better. It, his most recent versions of storytelling, the ones that maybe you're familiar with, if you're listening to this, are his podcasts. He ha has a couple of them. His, his original, the one that he's most well known for is Pretend, which is a true crime documentary style podcast. It, it's riveting listening if you haven't listened to it before. And it is the antithesis of this podcast. It is his podcast is thoroughly researched and it is exceptionally produced and it is so polished and slick. And I'm over here. I am flying by the seat of my pants. Uh, my pants, my flies probably open. Uh, I got food in my teeth, stained shirt, uh, disheveled mess over here next to Javier. Uh, I'm not sure if you know what you signed up for doing this podcast, Javier, doing hot takes on a plate here on the Believe Podcast Network. You know what, Rob, you're you're really selling yourself short because if we were to have like an Emmy off, you have way more Emmys than yeah, I Yeah, but do. but that was that was TV. That's a different medium. All right. How many like, Emmys do you have now? Like uh, six. Yeah, you see, I only have But that's a different medium. <laughs> I you know when I, I approach TV the way you approach your podcasts, but now I'm I got lazy. I got, yeah. well, maybe it's because it, I'm not making massive amounts of money doing this. And I'm like, what's the point? <laughs> well, I've listened to your show and it's awesome. Great content. I had no idea you were that into food when I knew you. I didn't you know, know you were like, into, I didn't yeah, know you were into like pretend people. Guy. Well, I didn't <laughs> know you were into pretend people. I, I didn't know that about you, Javier. Yeah. It, it I didn't know you happened. were into pretend people. I, I have a thing for con artists, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. If I'm being honest. Yeah, no, actually, and it's so funny. I've never been conned before. I don't know. It, it's just literally something I stumbled into. Not, I really don't have a thing for con artists. I really don't care about con artists. <laughs> but, and I would be remiss, by the way, if I'm pointing out the difference between um, your podcasting style and mine. Well, first off, when I reached out to you to do this, uh, you actually sent me research. Like the, yeah. you were already thinking about planning. I know it's freaking you out when I was like, don't, you don't need a plan for this. Trust me. And and the other thing I need to point out, cause this is a, an audio medium, not a visual. You're actually recording in your closet. I can see you on zoom. Yes. You are in your closet. And for people who don't understand why he would be recording in a closet, it's good for sound. Your clothes absorb sound. It's not, you know, walls everywhere and hard surfaces. And you've even got like a, what are those like screens up in front of your microphone? You got he's, a pee popper. He, he's, you know, he's, he's got the professional mic out. This is, you know, most people I talk to, they're just on their computers and you can, you can hear like Javier sounds good. Like he takes this stuff yeah. seriously. I'm a I, got kid, I got kids <laughs> running above me. I can hear them right now. They're stomping. Yeah. I'm in my in-laws basement. Yeah. Well, my kids are always like, daddy's in the closet. Daddy's in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> and their, their uh, friends and parents have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, one of the things about your podcast pretend that I'm always, I've always wanted to ask you this. You get these people on to talk who are, like you said, con artists. They are, you had cult leader. You've had, you know, I was just listening to your one the other day where you're, you're talking, you didn't get this person, but you were talking about, you know, people who fake their own deaths, but you get all these people to talk to you that 
their whole thing is they're, they're, they don't want, like you would think they don't want to talk to people. How do you get these people to talk to you and open up? Yeah, the con artist is actually easier to get than the victim sometimes because the con artist is very proud of their work. You know, like they don't think of it as a crime. They think of it like, this is what I've accomplished because they're very skilled at what they do and, and they take a lot of pride. And so it's easier to convince them to be on the show than it is to convince somebody who's been duped. Those people have so much shame. They don't want to come forward. It, it's very, very difficult to convince them that... But I tell them, you know, if you tell your story, somebody could learn from it and avoid being conned. And, you know, it, it's a process. And the process almost makes me like turn into a con artist. I, I start using some of the methods and the tools that they use to convince people. Do you use the, okay, be honest. Nobody's listening. This, this isn't no, public nobody, or anything. Do you use those tools when you're arguing with your wife? Oh, no, that she, she, that's the thing. She would make a way better pretend podcast than I would, because like if we're watching a movie, she always knows who the bad guy is before I know who the bad guy or who killed this person. Like she could figure it out. She's so much better at this kind of stuff. So I could, I mean, if you're going to use master manipulation tools, use it with your wife, right? Use it with your significant other. Those are, those are the, those are the arguments you have to win. Yeah. She's, she's a counselor. So she's, she's oh yeah, you've lost, you've lost in my head. (laughs) Well, here on hot takes on a plate, you, the listener get to eavesdrop on the ultimate food fights as I debate my culinary world friends and other eating enthusiasts in their areas of expertise. And you're probably wondering right now, what is Javier's area of expertise as it pertains to food? Well, we're, we're going to talk about pretend foods. Of course, there's lots of pretend foods out there. Lots of foods that are faking an identity that we, we really need to discuss. This is something that we haven't gotten into. And I want to take Javier's expertise in, in, in locating and honing in on on fakes and see how it plays out here. You ready? You, I'll, I'll throw hot takes at you. Tell me I'm right. Tell me I'm wrong and why. Let's do this. Let's talk about imposter foods. All right. Number one, decorative fake food bowls. Decorative, decorative fake food bowls. You say, my grandmother used to have one. <laughs> now hers... I'll give her a little bit of leeway because so you're hers, talking about like the plastic. Fruit? Yeah. Yeah. Now hers, yes. hers, you could tell it wasn't real fruit. It was like literally decorative. I think it had bling on it. It was just yeah. the most bizarre thing, but like some of these, like it looks like real fruit. Yeah. Why? There was a Curb Your Enthusiasm yes, episode. Yes. There was a Curb Your Enthusiasm <laughs> with, with, the, with, this, with the teeth. Where everybody kept losing their teeth. Yeah, right. And my thing is, why do we need a decorative fake food bowl? Is it that hard to get real fruit? Look, you replace it every week, fine. But guess what? You get to eat it. Yeah. And fruit's good for you. Can we please get rid of decorative fake food bowls? Tell me I'm right. Tell me I'm wrong. I I almost want to argue this with you. That Bring it. I I think you're on, man. I think it's terrible. But I'll make the best case for these decorative food uh, bowls. Well, you know, some people don't have the patience to keep rotating in the bananas. You know, they get brown so quickly. Wait a second. Why do we even need fruit to decorate? Fruit is to be eaten. Like they go, go get a plant, get something else, get a sculpture. Rob, we're American. And so we have to portray the image that we're healthy, but we're not. Yeah. But the decorative fake (laughs) fruit bowl next to the cookies. Yeah. 
the cookies, you know, you definitely have to. Now keep that's those. one you should have. You should have decorative fake cookies because then you could see all these people that are trying to grab your cookies and they're losing teeth. <laughs> My thing is, you know, the decorative fruit is, is great because, you know, <laughs> I have no idea. This is a very hard thing to defend. No, you don't have to defend it. You could just agree with me because, you know, I'm I usually right. I'm usually right. This is terrible. It reminds me of like my my great aunt's living room when I see Yeah, you don't need, or, or like the ones where the, you know, back in the day, a lot of old relatives uh, would have the uh, the plastic over the couch. Oh, yeah. Did you ever experience yeah. the plastic oh, yeah. over the couch? Yeah, I, I thought that was a Cuban thing. You oh, it's also, it's also an Italian thing. <laughs> oh, okay. Because like my grandma's couch. It's an, right I think now. it's an immigrant thing, is what it yeah. is. Yeah, I think that's what it is. You All see, right. that's like very surprising. I, I thought that maybe that was just my culture, but apparently other people do it. So. It's immigrant culture, man. Because that was my 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 grandmother. Um, she did not immigrate here. Her parents did though, and her husband, my my grandfather, uh, he immigrated here. So I think it might maybe it's an immigrant thing. Yeah, it must be. They got to America, they got the fancy furniture, and they're protecting it, dang it. But I'll tell you what, my grandmother's couch has lasted 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next one. The best mac and cheese is made with fake cheese. Okay, it's made I, with Velveeta. Yeah. Velveeta, I, that, that shelf-stable, it, it's, it's so not natural, but Velveeta is so gooey. It's childhood memories. You could take all your fancy Gruyere and get it out of here. Velveeta makes the best mac and cheese. Tell me I'm right. Tell me I'm wrong. This one, I actually do disagree with you because I had the same argument with my kids because ah. my kids like all that, you know, greasy, creamy stuff. And I like a good homemade mac and cheese. Okay. Do you know that the greatest experts on the planet on mac and cheese are children? That's true. That's the target audience. <laughs> I mean, you can't argue about mac and cheese with children. You just can't. They no. win. They always know better than us. Yeah, we, we buy the Annie's brand and it just doesn't. Okay, doesn't and get... speaking of the Annie's brand, because I bought that as well. I know it's got this halo of, of healthy, it's organic, but I, I, I can't really process how exactly it's healthy. It's a powdered yeah, still... substance. <laughs> being mixed with like I, I, it, it feels a little fugazi like very, to me it feels fake it's pretend it's pretend am i right is is yeah, annie's pretend yeah, okay definitely i think they're definitely on the outskirts of like you know being honest there because they're skirting around like you said with their halo effect of <laughs> i'm a healthy company but it's still mac and cheese all right next one never eat a pretend burger and what i mean by that is one of these air quotes plant-based plant-based burgers like impossible or beyond burgers because look and this is not a knock on all veggie burgers by the way i'm okay with veggie burgers if they're vegetable primarily based when you're doing a burger like the impossible burger the beyond burger what the whole point is they're trying to make it taste like a real burger they're trying to yeah. do a literally a fake meat beef yeah. hamburger they're, that's and, the problem where they're trying to pass yes. on something that <laughs> they're trying to pass and the thing about it is it's it's not healthier like right. literally it's not like if you actually look at the numbers um you know it, uh, impossible burger beyond burger they're similar in calories fat and saturated fat to an 85 percent lean ground beef burger and four to five times the sodium 
Right. So I guess the argument you can make there is that, you know, it's it's better for the environment, maybe, you know, because you're not eating meat. I don't know. But just forget about the impossible burgers, just veggie burgers in general. Like if you go to the frozen food aisle and you look at a veggie burger and you look at the ingredients list, it's just processed like soy and filler food. It's not actual veggies. You know what? One of my biggest uh, complaints when I was doing Restaurant Hunter is so many restaurants, and these were like chef-driven, the type of places that would actually put effort into mm-hmm. what they were sourcing, whatever. And then they would get to a veggie burger on their menu, and they would just be like, look, we carry Impossible Burger. We ca- we carry Beyond Burger. And I'm like, just look, if you're chefs, go go make, make me one. a veggie burger. Go, yeah. go, go, go find some ingredients that are vegetable-based and make a burger. Maybe and get you some- would think that would be the easiest thing because you could just take all this like scrap vegetables yeah take take some chickpeas or some beans or whatever you know like you get get creative you know like and i'm just going like or you know or if you're eating it for health reasons you're not you know vegetarian a turkey burger is 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 a burger and it's it tastes a lot better and it's healthier than than a beef burger i just if you're going to eat a burger that's not a hamburger don't eat one of these ones that's trying to be a hamburger eat something that's trying to be what it is exactly (laughs) Yeah, see, see, I understand this fakes. Is, this is I understand outrageous. pretend. I understand yeah. this stuff, Javier. All right, next one. Don't trust a restaurant that puts Kobe beef on the menu. Do trust one that says Kobe style or Wagyu. Right. This one has driven me nuts for years because Kobe... Okay, so to explain, the di- Wagyu is a, a style of beef that originated from Japan, although you can have American Wagyu because it's a type of cattle and the way it's raised and whatever. Right. But at the end of the day, the, the really important thing is it's it's all about the marbling. And if you've ever seen Wagyu beef, the marbling is just, it's insanity. There's so much fat in there and yeah. it's so evenly dispersed and it's just wild and it looks like wallpaper. It's also very expensive. Kobe is a type of Wagyu and it's very hard to find, especially in America. You literally can't find it pretty much anywhere. So when you go out and you see Kobe sliders, that's a lie. You are being lied to. And it's just such baloney and I'm so tired of it. I'm seeing more and more over the last few years places saying Wagyu, which is the correct thing to say, but don't trust the restaurant that says Kobe. Tell me I'm right. Tell me I'm wrong. No, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, that's where the deception comes in, where where you think you're buying one thing, but you're actually eating something else. Mm-hmm. And to me, like, I know we were just having fun with a fruit bowl, but that, that pisses me off. You know, if I think I'm buying Kobe beef, you know, and, and really I'm just buying, you know, a, a steak from a cow that, you know, from the middle of the country or something. Well, let me tell you, the, the telltale on that one is um, Kobe beef is like, it, like even like legitimate Wagyu is insanely expensive. So if you see Kobe beef sliders on a menu for 15 bucks, it ain't yeah. Kobe beef. No. Like I was in a Japanese market uh, pre-COVID um, and it was funny because they had, you know, like when you go to like your local average right of the mill supermarket and they have the the prepackaged steaks not not at the butcher counter but it's like you know you got the styrofoam behind it and it's Mm -hmm. like and it's got the plastic wrap and it's just the little the cheapy steak right yeah and uh they had that for for wagyu at this japanese market and it was this tiny little steak and it was 130 dollars it was like i think it was 175 dollars a pound or something like that and i'm laughing because it's wrapped up like it's a five dollar steak 
but it's $130. Yeah. And, and you know, some idiot is not looking very closely and they're throwing it in their cart and then they're getting oh to the God. register and going, oh my gosh. Oh, but that's crap. what that stuff costs. So, you know, when you go out and you see uh, Kobe sliders, twelve three for $12, that's, that's, not, that's not even Wagyu. Do you think, because you've eaten out a hell of a lot more than I have, like, do you think you've ever tasted like real Kobe beef? No. No, I haven't. I honestly, I don't think I've ever had, I've had Wagyu like in a burger or something like that. But honestly, I don't know if I've ever even had real Wagyu because I've never really tasted much of a discernible difference in a burger. Or it might just be that it doesn't really do a whole lot to a burger. I'm not sure. You know, I'm going to go after this episode and look in my freezer, but I buy, I, I don't know where yeah, Publix. It says Kobe beef, and it's not. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, but but it actually does. It it tastes significantly better than just regular ground chuck. Now, dry aged meat, I've had a lot of, and that that you can taste the difference. And so much of that is how long it's been dry aged and what the technique is and all of that. Because mm-hmm. the longer it's dry aged, the more intense the flavor. But like, there's a place uh, here in New York, uh, the filling station. Um, they got a couple locations in the burbs in Rockland County, and they they dry age and grind their own meat for this dry age burger they do and you can taste it there's no there's no yeah. faking that it's like holy cow i brought my my friend george moats america's foremost hamburger expert to the filling station and he was blown away by the dry age flavor and it's and it's a fast food burger but guess what it was a fast food 5 ounce burger and it was like 14 bucks right which is what you would expect for dry age meat wagyu is even more expensive so i'm just saying true on that Chew on that. All right, next one. Gluten-free bread is not bread. Hmm. It's not. I'm not. It's, this is not a knock to anyone who needs a gluten-free diet. I understand right. it. But what makes bread bread is the elasticity. And when you take out the gluten, you are left with not that. You're I've left with something some more akin to a scone. Good. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I've had some pretty good like tapioca bread, and and I've had some really good gluten-free stuff that fools me but you know I, i'm not a baker i'm actually i would consider myself not like either an, am, an amateur chef you know like i i really enjoy cooking me too but, but baking, i'm not a baker i will not no. cross that line no i'm with it's you too scientific yes <laughs> and also it's like like you don't get to play and improvise mm-hmm. right it's, it, everything it's like is i have to like follow it's color rules. by numbers <laughs> right Exactly. I'm just not, I don't know, but yeah, gluten to me, like you need to be, it's not that it's it, not that it, it has to be bad if it's gluten free. It's just to me, what makes the bread is that texture right. and you lose that. And so to me, it's not bread. Am I, so what about, let me ask you this. What about gluten free pasta? I'm not a big fan either. Yeah. No. Yeah. You know, I, we've been buying the gluten free pasta and honestly, like on a weeknight when you're not making anything fancy you just open up a bottle of pasta sauce i mean for me it's fine it's passable for me it almost tastes a little bit more al dente than than do you have a do you have a gluten allergy in your family uh we try to cut down on our gluten just because um yeah for health issues or whatever but yeah originally we did not enjoy that transition much but i I guess i've got okay now we're gonna get into a real debate oh boy oh boy all right so here's my thing with, with the whole gluten thing. Glute, if you have a gluten allergy, a diagnosed gluten allergy, gluten can be very bad for you. If you don't... You could actually develop an allergy. I can you, I, I, to I me, don't know. I don't know. That to me, sure, the, the gluten thing... Yes, and yes, you. there are people who develop allergies, but if you don't have an allergy to gluten, 
it's not unhealthy. Right. It's just, I mean, I think if you eat everything in moderation, that's the way to go. You know, like if you just, but no, but I mean, it's like not, it's sort of like, um, if you have a shellfish allergy, you could get very sick, Mm -hmm. but if you don't have a shellfish allergy, it's shellfish is just shellfish. Shellfish. That's what gluten is. Stop being gluten free, Javier. Hey, I, I don't care personally. <laughs> As you can tell, this is not my decision, Rob. You know, the, the, the health, the, the, you know, the health crazy people out there who, you know, are going to, you know, slam their fists that this is good. This is bad. I think we're going to have a day, a reckoning day about gluten where finally scientists are going to get around to it and say, you know, like MSG, MSG yes. made a comeback. Yes. Same thing. <laughs> What what's up with that? When did uh, everybody's now like saying, "Oh yeah, we put MSG on this." I'm like, "Oh, well, I thought that was a bad thing, but apparently it's, it's a good thing." I mean, MSG naturally occurs in things. Yeah. Tomatoes have MSG. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I didn't mean to insult your family. I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm no, a, this no. is what I'm talking about. This is the antithesis to your podcast. I'm just yeah. here. I'm just I'm mansplaining gluten to you. I'm just throwing things <laughs> you around. Are mansp- I'm just, you know, here I am. Yeah, yeah, I haven't yeah. showered today. I'm just yeah, this, yeah. This, 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 this disheveled just, human being. Yeah. I'm, I'm making you sit in a closet on, on a weekend. <laughs> it's terrible. All right, next one. Loving it. Truffle oil or any flavored oil is terrible. First off, well, there, there's no truffles. And, and most of these flavored yeah. oils, the, the, none of them have the actual ingredient in it usually. See, that, that's, that's the rub with me is that it's not real truffle oil. And, and just like olive oil, we've gotten accustomed in America, um, I'm sure in other places in the world, to eating rancid olive oil because we don't even know what good olive oil tastes like. And I've read some studies where they've actually given people like fresh, you know, good olive oil and then rancid olive oil and we our taste buds now like prefer the rancid stuff which is amazing that's interesting because we we actually just got some rancid olive oil and we threw it out we could we were like this is insanely bitter a mature palate you know and most people don't they just like eat it and it's terrible i just bought i'm this was crazy it was father's day my wife got me a 50 dollar bottle of of italian olive oil i forget from which region it was like northern ireland ireland (laughs) northern italy and it it blew my mind it was so good and it tastes so different than you know this garbage that we buy every day you know one of the things that i don't think we'll probably ever make a comeback again um post covid is uh we have a chain of supermarkets uh in new york fairway and one of the things they do that i just love is they do an olive oil sampling bar Mm. where they just pour out all these different, they have such a wide selection of olive oils and they just put out a little bucket of bread and you just run around and you dip in like dip, dip, a dip. dozen different <laughs> olive oils and you're tasting the, this one's a little fruitier. This one's a little yeah. grassier. This one's a little pep, more peppery. And it's just yeah. like, like I could get lost. We'll there. never the, do that again. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think that's com- making a comeback. I think that's one of those things. It's yeah. a COVID casualty. Uh, but yeah, the, even like that and the golden corral and, you know, I've gotten gifts from people where it's like, you know, a set of flavored olive oils. And I'm like, thank you. Like re-gift. It's just, you know, like, look, truffle oil, first off, it just, it, it's overpowering the odor. It's got that synthetic sort of flavor. It, it just kind of, I mean, if you've ever had a real truffle, they, they don't taste the same at all. But I think a lot yeah. of people have truffle oil who've never had a truffle because look, truffles, they're, they're not cheap. You know, honestly, I don't know if I would have ever had truffles if I didn't have a job where I got to eat them. Right. Exactly. Not, not on like my I tried dime. To go buy some. Yeah, I tried to buy some the other day. It was 
ridiculous. Like I'm not going to sp- spend no. that much money for oil. So it's like it, it goes back. Yeah. It goes back to your Wagyu uh, example. Like if, if you get a cheap bottle of truffle oil, it's probably not truffle oil. I'm going to throw in a couple more. These are sort of last minute additions to the uh, pretend foods. Uh, One of them um, my mother-in-law brought up, and that is uh, white chocolate. White chocolate is not chocolate. Yeah, I was reading it. It's not. And also, again, you're doing research, Javier. Come on. Sorry. Show up unprepared. (laughs) But, but, but. It's it's also it's terrible. I hate white chocolate. It shouldn't exist. It's one of the grossest things. Yeah, you know, uh, artificial vanilla too it just tastes terrible. White chocolate. Uh, red, do you like red velvet cake? You know, I don't really see a point in the cake itself, but I do like the cream tree, the cream cheese frosting. The cream cheese. Yeah, that's yeah. all it has going for it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you the but, other. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to, I don't know what I was going to say. Go on. It's your Uh, show, Rob. Take over. (laughs) All right. And the other one, I actually brought this up. um, I brought this up on an episode uh, a few weeks ago with Claudia Fleming, who is a a very famous um, pastry chef. And that is that cheesecake is is pretending. Cheesecake is an imposter. Mm. It's not actually a cake. It's a pie. Ah, that, that that's a good argument. I don't know what the threshold there it is. It has a pie crust, it, basically, right? But right, but does it need flour or, or like I don't know? Does it need to have a cakey consistency in order? It has to no cake? cake. It's just it's it's not. It's it's no, a pie. It's definitely a pie. I would I would agree with that. You put your expertise to work, Javier. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're blowing my mind, man. Would you ever do an episode of pretend on 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 food? Would you find, I, you is, know, there, is there an angle to it. explore? I never thought about it, but I have been doing research on this because now I'm like fascinated by it. And there is a long list of imposter foods. Wasabi. Did you know that the wasabi that you're eating at restaurants is just green colored horseradish sauce? It's funny <laughs> you say that because I've always called wasabi horseradish's angry cousin. Well, it's just, it's green cousin. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, because the actual wasabi is very hard to grow and it only grows in certain places. And, and, and then actually after you, you, um, you grate it, it loses its flavor, that, that powerful punch. So most people have never even had real wasabi. Also fish markets, fish markets. Um, I shouldn't say markets because I think if you go to a, a, a reputable fishmonger, you're okay. But like, if you go get your fish at the supermarket, often fish is mislabeled and you're not buying what you think you're buying. And it is, it can be very hard to tell the difference between certain fish. And I mean, I, that's, there's an avenue you could explore. Yeah. I mean, most of the time you're like, I hear red snapper is usually tilapia or whatever. I mean, I don't know. Can you tell the difference if you had fish? You know, like salmon, obviously you could tell what salmon is, but are, is your palate that sophisticated that you could tell uh, tilapia a, versus snapper? You know, I'd like to say it is, but you'd, I, I'd have to do a blind taste test if I was being that, honest. That I would mean, be interesting. you know, I think um, I did have what I thought was, I thought I had ordered salmon one time and I cooked it and I'm going, this is not salmon. And it was, I think it was steelhead because steelhead has a muddier taste and I could taste that. And then it turns out, I think I did order steelhead accidentally. So, um, I'll give myself a little pat on the back for that, but yeah, a lot of times, especially if you're, you know, you're eating at a restaurant and you know, the, the fish is being, you know, 
doctored up, you know, and it's, you know, being fried it's or whatever. It's a taco. I wouldn't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's mystery fish. Yeah. Well, listen, Javier, if, if for people who, who, who don't know, um, you've got pretend, you've got criminal conduct to amazing podcast. You do just a, an incredible job gripping storytelling. Uh, people need to check them out. Thank Thank you so much for, for taking the time. Oh man, thank you so much for inviting me. This was fun. And I, I might do a, an imposter food episode. This is this is uh, interesting. There's more to dig in, I'm sure. Always, always finding a rabbit hole to go down. That's Javier Leva. Thank you so much. And if you are listening to Hot Takes on a Plate here on the Believe Podcast Network for the first time, make sure to subscribe or follow depending on which platform you're listening on. Also, give us a rating, five stars, of course, and leave a comment as well. Hot Takes on a Plate is part of the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out at BLEAV.com. And of course, you can check me out on social media at Rob Patron TV on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Until next time, I'm Rob Patron. Ciao.